time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. Over the last couple of weeks in this podcast, we've been talking about that midlife crisis, that point when everything is kind of up in the air for people who are in that age range where, you know, things just are at midlife. Now, let's be clear. When we're talking about midlife, we're not talking about that moment in time where you know you're at halfway through your life, but a stage, a place where you've come out of that beginning point of life where you, you've been trying to achieve and build your life up. And now you're faced with that next phase of what is it all about? What's it all mean? In fact, that really is the heart of what this whole midlife thing is about. What's it all about? What's what's life really deeply about? And that's how we face our last part of life, how we look back on our life as a life of significance and importance or one where we didn't get where we wanted to. So we have this phase in life where we're asking the question, what does this all mean? What's it all about? If you're at that midlife point, you may be wondering, what about those people who have created a life that that meant something and then they lost it? What happened? Several years back, I knew of a person who was an executive with a nonprofit who suddenly began to use that nonprofit for his own rewards, financial and otherwise. And some people asked me, what happened? How did he get to that place where he would misuse this great nonprofit that he had built that had done so much good, that had brought him so much meaning in the past? And my answer is that something similar happens to many people throughout their career, and that's their loss of mission. The loss of mission is what happens when you start your career looking for that place of, of purpose, of meaning. And it can happen for people who come into careers for really good reasons, not the people we've talked about the past couple of weeks that might have gotten there because somebody pushed them in that direction, a teacher or a parent pushed them in that direction, but because they really wanted to be there. Maybe it's a doctor who always wanted to bring healing to those who suddenly one day finds that doctoring doesn't do it anymore. Or maybe it's the minister who always wanted to help people find their way through their own questions of meaning in life and and what that's all about. And suddenly they are ready to leave their career because it doesn't mean anything. Or, Or teachers who are there because they want to help people find their way through life, through education, through furthering their own knowledge base. And then one day they realize they're just going through the motions. What happened? Well, we're all at risk of losing mission. We're all at risk of losing that sense of mission in our lives, the one that drove us through. And if we don't guard it, if we don't protect it, that mission can be lost in the midst of all of the daily grind. When I talked with doctors and ministers and attorneys and teachers who have gotten there because they really had a sense of purpose, part of the mundane is what drives out that mission. So we have to be very careful to guard our mission as we move through even those areas that should bring us an enjoyment. And that brings us to how we go through this process with health. I've already talked about one piece of that, and that is guarding your mission. But as we've also talked about in our first week, we talked about the fact that midlife is based in regret, resentment, and yearning. The yearning often is what we struggle to identify, that there's that that place where you don't know that the yearning that's calling you is for a place of meaning in life, of purpose, 
of making an impact. But it's also behind that regret and resentment. The regret is for things that you didn't do, the paths you didn't follow, the things that are left undone, the regrets that may haunt you. And many times we carry those into midlife and they begin to compound because the further along we get down a path, the harder it is to get back to other paths. At some point, you're probably not going to be playing professional sports. And at some point, you're probably not going to go back and grab that uh, other degree. And at some point, you can't get into certain programs. And so those places, you can have a regret of what is no longer possible, a regret of what wasn't done. Sometimes they can be righted. You know, there are some people who regret they didn't travel earlier in life. And so they, they begin to travel later, but some just are closed off. So we have to figure out how to deal with those regrets. And then there are those resentments, the resentments that we carry over the years. Maybe we were passed over for a promotion, or maybe we didn't feel like we were uh, blessed as kids in our family, blessed by our parents. Maybe we didn't feel like we had the best opportunities. Maybe we feel like somehow society even robbed us of opportunities. And so that resentment builds And so we begin to have our resentments aimed at people and just at the world at large about who didn't help us, who didn't help us get to that place. And then the fact that that yearning is just based in a deep need for meaning, a deep need of feeling a purpose in life, a deep need of having made an impact in the world that's lasting beyond your life. So one of the big pieces of this is to be able to identify the core of this healthy transition, to focus on the change once the target is clear. If you recognize that what you're really after is dealing with the regret, the resentment, and the yearning, then it begins to focus you differently than if you just feel like you're out of sorts, that you're lost. Whenever the target comes into focus, our focus gets very clear. So here are some steps that I would recommend, some very clear steps to walk through, through this process as healthily as possible. The first one is to distinguish the difference between feeling and doing. This is such a critical piece, feeling versus doing. One step beyond that is to recognize that sometimes thoughts don't need to be acted upon. I love that bumper sticker, don't believe everything you think. Because it draws to the place where we recognize that what our mind does is it creates lots of thoughts through the day. Some of those thoughts are very useful and helpful and others hold us back and are fairly useless. And the problem is those thoughts create our feelings. And sometimes we have to distinguish the difference between feeling like doing something and whether we're going to do it. We all have the moments, all of us when we might feel like leaving a job. We might feel like giving up on our life. We might feel like giving up on a lifestyle. We might feel like giving up on a relationship, a marriage, a spouse, a friendship. We might feel like that. But if we step back, we recognize that those feelings are transitional until we act on them. I had a conversation some time ago about somebody who was telling me that in the financial crisis, how much he had lost, how much money he had lost. And I said, wow, you, you lost that much money? He said, yeah, my portfolio went to, from here to here. And I said, so you lost that amount of money? He said, yeah. And I said, 
did you cash in your portfolio? He said, oh, no, no, it's still invested. I said, okay, well, until you take action, technically it's just on paper and it's fiction. Once you take action, it becomes reality. He came back to me a couple of years later and he said, you know, my portfolio came back. And if I had followed my desires at that point, I would have lost my money. But now I'm right back where I was. And the difference was I chose not to act on my feelings. And I said, that's a pretty good strategy for lots of things in life. Now, let me be very clear that sometimes you need to act. But sometimes we need to sit with a feeling and decide whether it's really the action we want or that's just a temporary feeling. As Jimmy Buffett points out, sometimes we make a permanent solution out of a temporary feeling. And the danger of that is that those feelings change, those thoughts change. And so to recognize that there is a difference between feeling something and doing something can give us the space between acting and waiting it out just a little bit longer to see if it changes. Remember, there are many people who find that they can reinvigorate what they're already doing to bring meaning and purpose back. Sometimes it's not necessary to leave a job. It's necessary to reframe the job. Sometimes it's not necessary to leave the relationship, but to reframe the relationship, to find something different than it's been up until now. So the first thing is to recognize that there is a difference between feeling versus doing. Emotions don't mean you have to act out, don't mean that you have to take action. The second step is to go ahead and practice gratitude. You'll notice how much of what we've talked about is based in a lack of something. We lack whatever. We lack meaning. We lack purpose. We lack getting where we want in life. We lack having achieved what we wanted to. And that's all based in scarcity and fear. Gratitude drives us to another place. So to practice gratitude, to find a time during the day to reflect on the things you're grateful for. If you're familiar with my Thrive Journal, one of the things I talk about in that Thrive Journal is to start your day with three to four things that you're thankful for. Just three, four, no more than five things for which you are thankful, for which you have gratitude. And you sit with those, you write them down, and you ponder that sense of gratitude for those things. And at the end of the day, you look over them again and you re-experience it. So at the beginning of the day, you start your day with gratitude. At the end of the day, you end it with gratitude. And what you find is you begin to rewire the brain for gratitude along the way. And that keeps us away from reacting to a feeling of scarcity. Both scarcity and gratitude are rooted in our feelings and our emotional life, but also in our thought process of what we're going to look for. So practice gratitude. The third is to work on forgiving and releasing, both yourself and others. Remember how much of midlife crisis is driven by regret and resentment. And the problem is when we feed regret, when we feed resentment, it takes more and more of our energy. But when we practice forgiveness, we take back that energy. We recognize that we're releasing those pieces. We're allowing that to to be something else in our past, not something that haunts our, our present. So many times, choosing to feel regret and resentment drags the things from the past into our present and keeps us captivated and captures us to the past. So practice forgiving of yourself for the things you didn't accomplish and for others that you might feel held you back from getting there. 
If you need more help with this, I have links in the show notes to other areas that I've talked about the forgiveness process and how to get that process going for yourself. The fourth thing I recommend is find a group. Now, this is not the find the group to commiserate with. This is not the uh, soak your sorrows in the beers group. This is the group of being together in this process, a group that you can walk together. You don't even have to focus this group on dealing with midlife. One of the things I realized in my own life is that I had a shortage of places where I could exchange ideas and think through things in a different way, view things from a different angle. And so I gathered some people around me, and we meet once a month just to present ideas to each other. It's not a book group. It's not a therapy group. We share together. And in the process of sharing, we're sharing our our lives, but we're also sharing different views on the world of how things can be seen differently. That's an enriching part for anyone as you're trying to find the next path as other people are at different places on the path. So we begin to illuminate each other as we walk through that path. So find a group that will help you walk together down this path. The fifth thing is unplug where needed and plug in where needed. In other words, look around your life at the places that are drawing too much energy from you, the places that are insignificant or unimportant in your life, and unplug. Remember, step one is to make sure you don't just act out of the feeling, but this is the place where you might have assessed that you're doing too many things. Some years ago, I was on a board, and I realized that my, my capacities were not to sit in meetings and talk about things ad nauseum, but to take action. And so I said to the organization, let me know what you need me to do. I'm happy to do it, but I will no longer come to meetings. That's not where I get my energy. And what I try to do in my life is assess the places where I can bring my best self into them and plug in there. So where are the places you need to plug in? And where are the places you need to unplug to make sure you have the energy to get to that place of meaning, that place of purpose, and making an impact in the world. And finally, bring your others on board. In other words, don't surprise your family with sudden changes. Don't surprise your spouse with sudden changes. Bring people on board to your plans, to your aspirations, to your dreams. Bring people into the process earlier, not later. Many times I watch as a spouse is completely surprised to, to learn of the dreams and aspirations of their spouse. What a missed opportunity to have shared together those dreams, those aspirations, to have connected in such a deep way. The same with other family members. The same with friends. Bring them on board. Talk about your struggles. Talk about what you want out of your life. Recognize that midlife is a normal stage of transition that we only find gets us in trouble. We only muck up the process when we hold it inside, when we avoid even asking the questions of of what's this all about. When we open it to others, when we bring them on board, it loses its power and we're able to find our way to something much more powerful. This is Lee Balkum wishing you a thriving life. listening to the Thrivology podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at thrivology.com or at thrivologymagazine.com. 
Remember that Thriveology is spelled T-H-R-I-V-E-O-L-O-G-Y. It's your life. Time to live it. 